0: Good morning, good afternoon and good evening to everyone wherever you may be tuning in today's episode from around the globe. We're back here in Brisbane, Australia, once again hosted by the Mint Group of Companies Studio. Thank you, Mr. Gary Radford, once again for allowing us to use his studio, uh, this amazing setup that he has here in Brisbane. Today I'm joined who I would argue to be the top salesperson in the Australian rental industry. (laughs) One of the most industry connected and experienced rental industry figures, very much known for his personal approach to old school sales, and said that his glass half full outlook on life is contagious to those around him. Today I'm accompanied by Kevin Innes from CEA Group. Welcome on the Rental Journal, Kev.
1: Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: No, thank you. We've obviously crossed paths many a times at uh, industry events here in Australia. You're coming up to our facility uh, in Queensland last September uh, with your famous Eskies for the night's <laughs> raffle. And uh, I know your name's been brought up on multiple occasions to Mark to come on for an episode with your extensive career uh, in the industry. So I'd say today's very overdue. So thank you for coming on. You're uh, welcome, Mark. Kev, to kick us off, Uh, You've had an extensive career in the rental industry over 35 years, experiencing both equipment rental companies and now working as a supplier with CEA.
2: Hey, podcast listeners. Chances are you either work or you own a business that sells services or rents assets. So as a high company, you're making critical equipment purchasing sales and pricing decisions every day. These can be tough decisions that can affect your profitability. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a 360 degree view of your assets, including rental invoices, daily fleet snapshots and sales performance? Now you can with Rouse Rental Insights. Rouse has been providing a benchmarking solution that delivers actionable, accurate and confidential metrics to meet the needs of the construction equipment hire industry for over 20 years. So basically to explain what that means is that they have a benchmark of a whole lot of data set that you can compare to see what is your utilization rental revenue and cost or on various levels your equipment type class make model whatever it might be with over 350 global participants rouse collects and aggregates over hundred billion dollars 100 billion dollars let that sink in for a sec 100 billion dollars in equipment value on the original equipment cost basis and on top of that they also collect 44 billion dollars in rental revenue annually Better yet, they also integrate with over 45 ERP systems for direct secure data transmission. So you can get started in a matter of days. You can get started with a free trial of Rouse Rental Insights today. I'll leave a link in the description and enjoy the rest of the podcast.
0: Initially joining the equipment rental industry with the famous RecAir Hire after your time at Expo 88, working at Vermeer Australia, Tire, Hire, Conplant, Red Star, and now CEA Group. How did you first become involved and what's your over, overview of your journey so far in the equipment rental industry?
1: Well, it, it's an interesting one. I Well, I was a wood machinist by trade, so uh, I did my trade for four years. I worked as a wood machinist for five years. Um, I used to work in one of the Australia's biggest furniture factories um, and I'd, I'd stand there at the end of a machine and look at the clock on the wall and I swear the minute hand would be going backwards and it was pretty boring in, in, in parts so I kept saying to myself there's got to be something different and there's got to be something better I've got to be able to do something a bit different so I decided I was telling my mates about it and I remember the exact date it was um, January the 17th 1986 you wouldn't have even been born then um, sitting around a pool at a furniture factory where we were and I just said it's got to be something better so I decided that I was going to go overseas Um, for a year, and one of the guys that I barely knew said, do you mind if I come with you? So we went overseas a year to that date. We went overseas for, it was about, just over 12 months. When I was over there, I obviously loved talking to people. I I had such a good time. I came back, and I was fortunate to come back into a job um, at Expo 88. So uh, 1988, Expo 88, Um, I was, uh, I set up uh, season pass um, photography stands for all the season passes for the for the expo met heaps of people um and from there i um i got into another role at expo Call. Cool. it was a ticketing transaction role so there there was a lot of people that had to get upgraded they tried to sneak in on a concession ticket and so i had to greet all these irate people that they had to i had to charge on full fare Um, and our division actually made a million dollars over that period from upgrading from concession to adult. I really enjoyed the conflict side of it and talking to people and I I considered myself quite good at it. So I decided then that all I wanted to do was to get into sales. I'd I'd spoken to some family members that were very good at sales and that's what I decided I want to be. Um, When I was there, I had some really good advice by one of the senior managers there. She was in charge of about 200 people she pulled me to one side and says, "What are you going to do?" And I said, oh, "What, what I really want to do is I want to get into sales." And she spoke to me about career paths, and and it really resonated with me. And particularly career paths where you join a business that had depth, and you didn't actually have to look from point A to point B and go all the way to the top straight away. But she spoke about downward paths and and sideward paths to get to where you eventually wanted to be. So I took that on board. Read one of the papers, and I saw an article for a, a storeman at Rec Air Hire, and I'd known Rec Air Hire. They had some some quite some large depth, and and they had businesses or well, branches all over Australia. Um, so I decided I was going to go for this storeman's job. So I went in, and I met um, the the state manager there, Chris Holmes, and the state service manager it was a guy called Alan Watterson. Um, most people that have been around wrecking and have known these guys, they're great guys. Had the interview and of course they loved me and they offered me the job. And um, so we shook hands, said I'd start the next day. And as I was leaving, I said to Chris, by the way, I don't want to be a storeman. And um, he said, well, what the F are you doing here, mate? <laughs> and I said, all I want to do is I just want to do sales. I'll do whatever it takes to get into sales. So he put me in a bit of a bear hug and he said, "Stick with me, son, and we'll go places." And um, and we did. I, I was at Rec Air for over 13 years, and my goal was always to to be in sales. And so I did about 13 or 14 different roles along the way, and and eventually got to a point where I was I was a marketing assistant to the to the sales manager there, and. Um, and it worked out well but along that journey I, I was a purchasing manager there for probably 12 months and so I used to have a lot of reps come in and um, and because I knew I wanted to be in sales I used to really take on board what they did well and and what they didn't do so well and and I actually I put that back into the bank the memory bank and and because I, I, I relied on that in in all my future dealings. so I I kept going back to that experience, what I liked in that person and what I didn't like in that person. And yeah, so from there, I, I sort of moved around a little bit, um, but I was always in the, in the rental game. Um, I, I spent a bit of time at Complant as well with the Coleman boys and um, uh, a bit of time, well, I spent some time with Jeremy Shaw there, so he was one of my, uh, my young reps at the time. And like... I've just been so fortunate to spend some great time with some great people over those years, and and obviously this last stint now I've been, well, it's Atlas CEA now, part of the CEA group, but you know it was Red Star Equipment, part of uh, Onsite, and um, then we eventually um, were bought by CFC Group, which is CEA. Um, so that's been that's been almost fourteen years now. So. Um, but I've been very fortunate to be on both sides of the the. Um, the well, I've been have been a customer. I've been in the rental game, and I've actually been a supplier to the, the rental game. And I love the industry, and I owe a lot to the industry. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's about it. I've I've had a lot of a lot of experience. I've met a lot of people. So it's it's been a good journey for me.
0: So initially starting as a in with Rec Air Hire, just bef- prior to filming today, we we're talking about the-, the glory days of what people saw as Rec Air Hire. Uh, what was that first day like at Rec Air, you know, 30 something years ago? And yeah. what was that introduction into sales at, at a business uh, like Rec Air Hire?
1: Well, <laughs> the introduction to sales for me was um, literally back in the day we had call cards. So we had- I had a little timber box with all my call, call cards in it. Um, I had a guy basically run through that, and I took over his territory. Um, and I literally went on the road, and that was that was my that was basically my training. <laughs> there's there's your area. Here's your customers. Grow the grow the list of call calls where you can uh, your your, um, your call cards, and try and. Call everyone on the, and go and see everyone. Knock on everyone's door. It was never making a point. It was just, just knock on the door. But um, interestingly, my very first call that I ever did, I can remember it, and it was a, it was, I actually call it my best call I ever did because it was the worst call I ever did, and I learned so much from it. Um, so I, I saw a guy called Kevin Lenham, uh, worked for BMD back in the day. I remember this distinctly, and. Um, I made the mistake of calling on this building site at lunchtime. Everyone was in the lunchroom. All the boys were in the lunchroom. Um, back in the day, we used to have to wear a tie, and I just, like, just raw I had no experience at all. Knocked on the door, walked in with this tie. Everyone's looking at me, and it was just the most embarrassing thing. I, I, I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't do any planning at all, um, So, yeah, it was the worst call. I I remember walking out the door. I can still hear the guys laughing when I walked out that door. Um, So from there, I was so deterrent. I could have easily hung up my boots then. I was so embarrassed. Um, But what I've always done is I've always analysed how whenever I talk to someone or I go for a visit, whatever it is, I try and do a self-analysis. And I I didn't learn this from any sales training. I, I decided I wanted to get better at what I did. Um, so I analysed myself and I said what did I do well, what could I have done a lot better and I had no planning at all. I, I didn't have a plan A or a plan B. I just, I, I, I wasn't prepared. Um, so like I said, it was the worst call of my life but it was probably the most valuable call that I've ever done um, and I, I, I still remember that to this day. So.
0: Yeah, I've heard from so many people in the industry um, and as they reflect on their introductory into into sales as being receiving yellow pages, getting the corporate uniform and a business card and yeah. sent on their way. And it's very similar to obviously your experience with those, with those call cards as well. Uh, it's interesting how it has progressed over the years, but everyone does si- seem to have that very similar background of their introductory into sales uh, in the equipment rental industry. Yeah, well,
1: I, I set myself a goal of doing 60 calls a week, so... Um, and it was easy in the early days because I had brand new set of, um, you know, clients. I, they didn't know me. I didn't know them. So I, I needed to qualify with them, who they were and, you know, so they could know me as well. That was easy. But, um, you know, the longer I got, I got into that role, I was struggling to get my 60 calls, but I was determined to do it. So it'd be, there'd be a Friday afternoon and I'd be... It'd be three thirty. I'd have two more calls to make on a Friday afternoon, and that's unheard of now. I don't think too many people do many calls after three thirty on a Friday. But that's that. I was just determined to to do that. So um, yeah, but it certainly has has changed. Um, you know, those were the days where you could just walk into an
0: office and people
1: would see you. But now things are totally different now.
0: Kev, exactly one year ago today, actually, last November at the HRA Queensland AGM, you received an amazing acknowledgement from a President's Award from a past president in Tony Crane. Firstly, congratulations on the award and I'm sure it was an amazing accolade to receive from such an experienced and well-respected leader of our industry in Tony Crane. Kev, a past colleague of yourself, Guy Tome, actually presented you with this award uh, that you worked alongside with at Vermeer and at Complant, yeah. Uh and presented you with this and told a very interesting story of his first day working alongside yourself and going through the Kevin Innes sales training program, as, as he called it. Uh, I'd love to read this short story from Guy about, about his experience. Yeah, sure. His sales 101 tutorials are based on customer service, relationships, and hard work. He was always a guy that led from the front but always had a few tricks up his kid as well. One of these tricks was how he used to get people to remember his name. <laughs> when he was first starting out as a sales rep was to go into client meetings with his hard hat. Most of these meetings are office based but he would take them in either way. The idea was not to protect himself from a falling stack of A4 paper but he would tuck the hard hat under his arm with Kevin written in big letters across the front of it which benefited both the customer and himself. Today, Kev, I've actually got a hard hat here, (laughs) supplied by Gary Radford, Uh, and I'd love for you to tell this story, um, an approach that you've used, and I think it's such an amazing way to recap your approach to sales in the equipment rental industry. Yeah, no,
1: thanks for that. Guy's a bit of a legend for me too. We've got a lot of history together, so thanks for those words, Guy. Um, Yeah, so part of that experience when I was talking about rec air hire, um, when I was in purchasing department I used to have a lot of I'd probably have three reps a day sometimes up to five and you'd have that five days a week and and these guys although I'd seen them four or five times I'd never remember their names so and and it was very uncomfortable it made me feel really uncomfortable and I couldn't relax until I was kept racking my brain what's this guy's name and and so that was one of the lessons that I, I took away and so from then on whenever I was in front of people I always had the hard hat or I, I had the the diary with my name on it or I, you know whatever I could do I'd always hand over a business card I'd have some clients that would have 15 20 business cards and I'd always tell them it's a new business card but I just didn't want them to feel uncomfortable and because it made me feel really uncomfortable and you can just relax a lot a lot, a lot easier as well and look I, I guess at the end of the day there's a lot of reps and people see a lot of them and um, for me it's a real for me it was a bit of a win when people would see you and they would know your name and 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 they say hey Kev how's it going and all that I know it's only a little thing but I got my little mark across and and I um, you know it, it worked for me it worked for me well and at Rec Air we always used to have people's name on on their shirts and and I've been to a lot of building sites and for me that just worked a treat with having your name on, on on your shirt or a hard hat or whatever it was. So it was really important for me that people knew who I was. And you saw that photo of me before with the big Mo and they always recognised me with the big moustache and, and they knew who I was. They would call me Mo Man or he got big Kev with the Mo. But yeah, that, that was how it used to work for me and it worked very well for me.
0: You obviously you have a, a lot of confidence as a sales rep, but from these stories, it obviously didn't start that way. Uh, you developed all these skills and tools that now you you utilize for people to remember your name and have those small wins. Do you think that was a way that you did build confidence initially as a as a sales rep to have those little wins of he knows my name and yeah
1: you know, yeah it, well look I, I just continually set myself goals and and. My very first territory was the north side of Brisbane and I'm a south side Brisbane boy and i you never really crossed the, the river at all. So one of my goals was not to get lost in one day. Like I, I, I would drive around and I'd continually continually get myself lost and I'd have to set myself these goals <laughs> these little goals like that. And that was a little win to to go for a day without getting lost. But but most of the time most of the times I benefited from getting lost and I, I ran into people or sites that I, I didn't know were there and it, that that was a big win but yes um, I always set myself some goals and, and the little wins along the way and you know you know, you, you say that I'm confident I am confident in some abilities but in others I'm, I'm, in some aspects but in others I'm not and I continually question myself and I, I, I continually want to try and be better at, at, at what I do and um, I don't know, maybe that's a difference in some some other people, but I, I continually try and improve the way that I do things. And I do take little wins. And one of the things that I really learned along the way is you need to celebrate your wins no matter how how big or small they are. And um, I've always remembered that. I remember uh, a guy told me that, that quite a few years ago, and it's important that you do celebrate your wins no matter how big they are or small they
0: are, so... Kev, just be prior to filming today, we we're talking about you going overseas and experiencing Barcelona in Spain with Atlas CEA and the factory there. You've obviously seen a lot of the world from being involved in the equipment rental industry, being overseas, uh, at trade shows, building relationships and uh, experiences whilst in the equipment rental industry. Uh, where have been the top places the industry has taken you so far?
1: Um... It's really, look, I've been really fortunate to see a lot of the country and a lot of um, overseas as well. So um, I guess a lot of people in in sales and in in hire aspire to go to all the big four trade shows around the world. And, you know, you've got um, Munich or Bauma, Germany. Um, You've got Intermat. Um, I went to Intermat. That was the very first show that I went to. So I would have been 20 28 years old or 29 years old or something like that it was amazing you know you go to all these hire and rental shows and and i literally went to one uh a local show and then two weeks later or a week later i was in the intermat and it's just gobsmacking so yeah um munich um intermat um obviously con expo um vegas and um and china but i've been fortunate to see a lot of Asia, Singapore, Japan, China. Um, but you know, it's amazing to see all those places. It really is. And it's amazing to see some of the facilities and and factories and stuff like that. But in a nutshell, I really love going, going to regional Queensland. I've seen a lot of Australia. I really have seen a lot of Australia and, um, my favourite is that little run out, uh, and I, I actually have taken Guy out there a few times. But um, out sort of west of Mitchell, um, all the way out to to Winton, Longreach, uh, Bullyard, Baduri, uh, you've got Birdsville out there. And my favourite, my very favourite, is Thargaminda. So, um, just the people are real people, and you can have. I've had many beers with the mayors and these count and their councillors and and stuff like that, and they're just great people and and so yeah to me I, I like getting out in those really remote areas and I, I remember I, pro, I I did a stint there um, I left on a on a Sunday afternoon got back on a Saturday morning I did nearly 5,000 kilometers I saw nine people <laughs> and um, but I come away with nine orders for I think minimum orders of 140 grand or something like that so you know it's it was worthwhile seeing these people but it took a while I, I those people out there, you've got to spend your time and, and you've got to do your due diligence and they probably don't respect you until you've been there three or four or five times. So, yeah, like I said, I've seen a lot of the world and but give me Western Queensland any time or, you know, Northern Queensland. It's just just a great spot to be in. and And some of the remote places I've been, you know, in Western Australia and all over the place, so it's been great for me, it really has.
0: Yeah, that relationship building is so important as, as a sales rep, especially in the equipment rental industry. What would you say is the biggest uh, importance of relationship building at these trade shows, these industry events that have impacted your network and your career of getting to know obviously like-minded people within the industry but also building those relationships with your obviously extensive customer base now, 35 years in?
1: Um, well, look, the the trade shows are... Critically, critically important for me um yeah you know, and i guess a lot of people would say this but for me for me to see if i see 30 40 people at, at a trade show i'm seeing all the right people um it would take me probably six nine months to see that amount of people and they're scattered all over the country so so i've always believed in in particularly the high rental trade show um i'm heavily invested in that. I. I I I tried to count how many I've been to. I I reckon it's got to be at least 17 or 18 of them. It's got to be. But we put a lot of effort into those because it's really important for me. um, I'm pretty pretty anal about the shows. Like, I'll do all the setup now. There'll be a couple of people. There'll be two of us setting up a big stand because I know how important it is, how it it looks to other people and, and what we should be achieving. Whereas if you've got other... Other people, you're relying on other people. I know it sounds a bit old school, but um, I know what's important, and I know what people need to see and the different angles, and you know how things have got to look. But yeah, um, it's it's a great forum to see a lot of people in a short amount of time. The only problem is is trying to get to say to see. Say good day to everyone, and I've been at trade shows with people been lining up to, to have a chat. and other people are trying to talk to me. Go, no, we want to talk to Kev. But I've developed a lot of most of my customers are my friends, and um, I've got relationship there. I've got skin in the game with these guys and and, and girls, and um, I, I just love what I do. And and this is a really good forum to see those people and and spend some good quality time. And you know. You do you see them through the day, and you can have a beer with them at night. It's it's a great experience. I love. There's nothing better for me. It's it's a
0: great experience, and I, I love it. It's definitely condensed chaos over those couple it of is, days, especially. Is. I would assume as as a salesperson uh, in the industry, those couple of days, it's you know everyone in the industry in one place. So it's definitely would be an amazing tool and resource, and probably one of the biggest days of your year is one of our um HRA shows or even when you get get over to Con Expo like you said Kev you've been to nearly 20 shows here in Australia Con Expo in Vegas Bauma all these trade shows what would you say is your best memory or best story from a rental industry event across the world
1: uh well (laughs) I knew you'd ask this but um look there's a lot of stories over a few beers and obviously we don't want to talk about those but and this might sound a bit dull but um I had an experience with um, at a local trade show about five or six years ago um, with, with a, a big rental company. There was all the senior guys with a big rental company, and we had this new product, and it was a, a skid-mounted lighting tower. And back in my rec-air days, I used to be the guy that used to deliver the, the mobile lighting towers, take the wheels off them, jack them up, or well, jack them up, take the wheels off, and then come back three months later, six months later, put the wheels back on, tow it back, and when it's off hire. And I was a massive believer in these skid mounted lighting towers, and no one else seemed to have the faith in <laughs> that idea. And um, I remember we're having this robust discussion about um, skid mounted um, lighting towers. when are never going to cut it in the hire industry. And I kept saying they, they, they have to work. I know that they're going to work. It's 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 Obviously, there's applications for for this, but it's a great idea. And trust me, from someone who's been there. And so, anyway, we six years on, I reckon I personally have sold over a thousand of those skid mounted units. And I know it's it it's not that exciting, but to me, it was a big win because I I, I had so much belief in this because of the experience that I had in a, in the rental game. I didn't want to be the I didn't want anyone else to be jacking up the the lighting towers and taking off the 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 wheels and that so that was a big win for me um Mm. and look I've got plenty of stories I've I've been to some incredible places um one of one of the things that related to a trade show I was with um the Complant guys and um we were going to Germany and we're in a in this minibus and there was four of us in this minibus and the driver and um I remember um, trying to put my my seatbelt on. We're going in one of the auto barns, and I couldn't get my seatbelt on. And Doug Coleman's sitting in the front seat, and he says to me, "Kev, don't worry about putting your seatbelt on. We're doing 160 k's an hour at the moment, so if we have a crash, <laughs> none of us are going to make it anyway." So, yeah, there's all those little stories that I have, and it makes my my job um, really great. Like that's what I look forward to is going to those trade shows and, and, and having some wins and having some good times along the way as well.
0: So obviously, like you said, being in a very unique position as a salesperson, experiencing the end user as well yep. as being in a rental company, having to jack up the light tower and now knowing what to sell people because you've had that experience yourself. Do you think that's really benefited you now working uh, with CEA those years at RecAir and, and Coats that you've actually worked on the product to know what to sell to people?
1: um definitely definitely um but I guess my, my journey what, partic- and look we always talk about wreckier hire and everyone I think people are sick about people talking about wrecky hire but we they did it so well back then like I said i I had probably 13 different roles in 13 years 13 14 years um we really learnt a lot of aspects of the business a lot of aspects on even in the workshop starting machines up and all that sort of stuff, um, but when you got to to be in front of the customer, you you basically knew what you were talking about. You, you you knew it was a real education, and um and that has benefited me. Like I don't I don't confess to know everything about, and and, and as a matter of fact, I'm not very technical, but I know enough about it, a lot of things to to keep me to keep me going, and I'm never never going to lie to anyone and say and try and you know, smoke and mirror what I know. I'll tell them I don't know. I'll find out the information. But I do know enough to sort of to get around most situations where I can. Um, but certainly that experience has been invaluable for me um, in whatever I've done. And I can hear myself talk sometimes and it sounds like I really know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, because I've, I've been the guy that's had a flooded machine or, you know, people put on e-stops on or all the stuff that's gone wrong, run out of fuel a thousand times. I, like I've experienced those calls and I, I sort of have learnt from that. So I, I try and do some sales training now and I try and part some of that that information about even the terminology, what people call things are so much different. And um, you need to know five different names for one thing, you know. And um, But anyway, it's it's, um, it's certainly benefited me Um from the way I've of, of, of journeyed through and, and that experience will
0: that,
1: certainly helped me today.
0: Have you mentioned mentoring and sales training uh, just then? And in 2019, you participated as a mentor in the HRA uh, Women in Hire program. Uh, the program is designed to give women opportunities to help grow uh, themselves, their leadership skills, uh, develop confidence for a long career uh, in the equipment rental industry. Uh, you're quoted by saying, "I enjoyed sharing my knowledge and experience, and it made me feel like I was giving back to an industry that has given me so much." I'd love to hear your experience from a mentor's perspective in this program, what you got out of it, what uh, your mentee gained, and some success stories from that year in 2019.
1: Um, well, I think I've had um, I've been mentored to five people now, in, from from then and. I think some get a lot out of it and, you know, it, it just depends who it is and my forte is sales and, and I try where I can but I always sort of resort resort back to that sales experience and um, I uh, my very first um, young lady was um, Ellen, Ellen Haywood and um, she was amazing She, she and I, I really, I think she's going places at the moment and she's doing really well and, um, look, I think she had it in. She had it already, but I just wanted to to help and and probe and and get her thinking about what what her abilities are. The problem with um, well, where I've come from in in Rec Air, and I I was actually mentored. There was a lot of people in my life at wreck Air high, but there there was a a, a husband and wife team called Daryl and Sandra Greenwood, and Sandra was amazing. She she knew everything and we're talking back in you know the late 80s early 90s so not a lot of women around in in the rental industry and and the guys didn't really respect the women in that industry and didn't think they knew a lot but Sandra knew more than most and um she taught me so much and she she obviously was very resilient because it was a tough old tough old industry to be in as a woman so I always relate back to that and Sandra gave me a lot and, and I wanted to, I, I remember that. And I think, um, you know, I just wanted to help women out and, and because they deserve to be in an in- industry now, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an awesome career um, for anyone to be in. And there's some great opportunities for women in, in our industry. So um, yeah, I, I love doing that. It's, it's Sometimes I feel that like I could give more, but it it is difficult because you know they've got some time. They 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 need to spend time. I need to spend time. So, yeah, I, I enjoy it, and I think I've offered. I've I've helped. I've helped um quite a few people out with that one. So,
0: so you obviously mentioned Sandra as an amazing mentor for you initially. Uh, when you joined the industry over the past three decades, I'm sure you've worked alongside some amazing people and built great connections and working relationships with. Uh, you've been a mentor to many. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've mentioned obviously Guy Tome today. I know you've played a massive part in the role of Jeremy Shaw, our national president, uh, career also now being the uh, sales manager at Master Hire. Uh, in your career and your life, who have been some mentors to you like Sandra that have really helped shape Kevin Ennis yeah, to the person yeah. you are today and also your career in the industry?
1: Uh, it's a good question. I oh, There's so many people. There's so many. And, you know, the rec air factor was amazing for me. It was one of the best jobs I ever did. And everyone, it was just a different, it was just a different style of management back then. Like we were all encouraged to respectfully challenge people and, and that stuff like that I was never used to and, and once you get into that groove it's so good. So we had there was guys like well, obviously I spoke about uh Chris Holmes and Alan Waterson. Richard Greenwood, uh who worked at um Rec Air for many years and, and retired from Coates recently, um played a massive role played a massive role in my in my younger career at, at, uh, at Rec Air. Um, like I spoke about the Coleman brothers and the, you know, that was, that was good. Um, Ian's a bit of a dry fella, but uh, he, he had a lot to, to, um, to pass on to me as well. So I spent a lot of time, um, at Domper High there as well. And I worked with Andrew Donald. Uh, he now owns Total Generators. So he's very successful in that business. Now we, we had a lot of good times together. Um, we spoke about Gary Radford. Gary was, he worked for me as a, a young rep uh, a couple of times actually. So I've spent a lot of time with them. I've, I think I've parted some information to them and I've certainly learned a fair bit from them as well. Um, but I guess if I've got to boil it down to, to one guy, um, the, there's a guy called Mark Rich and he recently passed away this year. Um, and he, I, he was my CEO for a couple of companies that I worked with and um the last one was at uh, on site when I was part of well, when I was Red Star part of the, the on site group and well, that guy taught me a lot and we did a lot of negotiations and he he taught me to be really resilient and not to say not to to let go of an opportunity and and um, just try every he was the guy who taught me have a plan A plan B plan C and 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 whenever I went into a call and it sort of steered one way I tried to take it you know to my plan b and then if that didn't work i'd try and use my plan c and um he taught me so much and and, um he taught me how to um like how important what you say to people and what people can remember years later of what you said and particularly in a management role sometimes we say stuff without thinking and but it can have a major impact on people and and I used to do a little cheat sheet for Mark every time he came into our branch, and as he walked in the door, he'd have the name of the person to the left, to the right, and as he walked around the corner, and a little little personal bit about each one of those per- people. And um, he was so personable, um, so he taught me how to how to be personable, and um, and but there was also a tenacious part of of him as well, and not to let go of something. And there's an opportunity, just keep going and walk away reluctantly but you know hopefully most of the times we can we can have a win out of that he was a great guy and and i i I do miss him and i'm sure others miss mark as well
0: kev a great quote uh, that i'd love for you to expand on is great salespeople are relationship builders who provide value and help their customers win In addition to this quote after speaking with Guy Tome, um, he passed on his perspective of your values and your drive as a salesperson and what he gained from you as well, which I think perfectly relates back to this quote. One thing that Kev taught me above all else was how key trust and integrity was in working relationships with both your customers and people that you worked with. The relationships that Kev has formed have been paramount to his success and says a lot about him as a person as well. Kev, your approach to sales seems to be so much based on relationships and customers and a a future together. What's some advice that you would give to new people entering sales in the equipment rental industry going forwards?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Look, I think most importantly is to be honest. Um, you You need to be honest. And look, if you start telling little white lies here and there, it catches up with you. And it's not good. If you want to build a relationship with someone, tell them the truth. If the machine's not suited or the application's not suited, tell them it's not suitable. I've had customers that have asked me about um, whether a certain machine would be suitable for their application, and I've said absolutely not. It's got a single c- cylinder engine. You you like big engines? You're not you're not you're going to hate it. You're not going to like it. So I've probably lost a couple of machines down that way, but I've I reckon I've picked up you know, heaps more because of that. Um, yeah, so be honest, persistent, be, be persistent. Um, I I really, for me, what I got a lot out of, of my sales life is always self-analyzing the way that I do things and, and, you know, what could I have done better? What did I do well? Always, what did, what did I do well? I don't want to beat myself up too, too much, but what could I have done better? And, And I'd write it down and, and I'd take notes and when I'd go into the, so the next appointment, I'd use that and ensure that I didn't make that same mistake again. Um, a big one for sales guys is like I, whenever I, I talk to sales guys, I always make sure that they listen to the client, and I just tell them to sh- to shut up, you know, and listen to the client and um, and listen to what what they have to say, and and ask some probing questions, and ask about their their situation, but more importantly. If you know the answer straight away, you're not going to jump in and tell them straight away what the what the answer is. Understand exactly what their situation is before you you go and give them the solution. Um, and I guess nowadays it's really important that you become an integral part of of um, people's businesses, and um, you know to a point where they can't do what they do without without your company or without you. Um, it, I think it's critical these days because. Um, there's it's so easy for someone to buy these days, they can get online and they like back in the day. I used to take a brochure to someone and explain to them a the machine and talk about different bits of a machine. You don't get that opportunity anymore, it's they can dig that up online and and they actually have got all that information. I've probably got five different brands in front of them and they probably made the decision before you've even got there what they want. Um, so, I think importantly, it's to. Ensure that you're an integral part of their business. I think that's the only way. Yeah, and to obviously have a relationship. A lot of people do. Um, they quote, send quotes through via email. They don't even talk to people. They they don't know who they are. It's for me. That's it's a last resort to send a quote through via email without even talking to someone or without even um, you know visiting them. Or, or, or I always would do that as a last resort. I I, I like face-to-face. And I guess one day that's going to, that'll die. But I think as long as you can find an excuse to get into into someone and and talk to them, you're going to have a far better opportunity or uh, opportunity to
0: get a result. The words you just used were obviously persistency, self-accountability, listening, and honesty. They're all words very much focused for a long-term relationship for the future. You're not looking for those short wins in your sales.
1: No, no. I've never been. like For me, if someone buys a, uh, whatever it is, something for, for $10, $100, for me that's a win because we're getting that person into the process of, of purchasing and feeling, feeling confident about your product and you and and I've never been one for chasing the big big sales all the time I, I love sales and I'll take anything seriously I, I, as long as they're, they're people are are, are ordering or, or buying I don't care what it is or how big it is but obviously I just love, I love doing what I do and, and I think that that builds the relationship later on down the track when when they when the big orders start coming through.
0: As a supplier, what have you seen to be the hardest part, especially over the last three years with COVID has been a massive issue of supply chain, staffing, product line or product availability even uh, here in Australia? I know it's definitely impacted the US as well when I was at the ARA show this year. What have been some of the biggest challenges for you as a salesperson during this very strange and difficult time that none of us have ever experienced. Yeah,
1: well, I guess the first one is trying to get teams set up <laughs> on my computer. I didn't have <laughs> a clue what I was doing, um, and just having faith in in you know teleconferences and stuff like that. Never never done them before, you know, uh, and they were great, but they serve a purpose as well. But um, yeah, some of the big challenges was obviously me <laughs> me setting up my personal devices and you know without. Cutting out and stuff like that, but um, the obvious ones with supply supply issues and uh, and pricing like pricing over the last three years has just been insane. Um, so that's been difficult, but um, there, there's a couple of things now where um, we, we've had to basically overstock a lot of people, you couldn't get anything, so you kept placing orders, placing orders, placing orders, and now they're all starting to flow through. So, you, I think you'll find there'll be a lot of supply issues uh, coming through with a lot of people they'll have a lot of supply um and obviously you just you've got to develop a strategy to to, to move them on but um that was one um componentry was very difficult so there was it, i'm still getting machines that we ordered two and a half years ago so um th- that's hard and particularly when people are planning and they they placed orders two and a half years ago and the gear's still not here it's it's but that's very it's very rare now but it's still an issue um some of the biggest things over that period over that last 3 years was um the environmentally friendly um products so all that coming through now where people are really focusing on that um so that's a big that's a big issue uh, 4 years ago you know we knew about products but there wasn't that need or there wasn't that inquiry for that, but now it's 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 a critical part of people's business now to make sure that they um, they they have green friendly machines and there's a lot of policies coming into play where they need it. Um, so I, I used to say I remember talking to the factories eight years ago and I'm saying what's a diesel bit of equipment going to look like in seven years time, and no one could answer me. And then you know three years ago I. Was, I've asked that question every every year, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like? Um, now we're starting to see what the, what, it, what it looks like and, and it'll be a major part of of what we do now, particularly around diesel products. You'll see a lot more electric, uh, a lot more battery um, and that'll be the new generator or the new compressor. It, it, there'll be new machinery that will come up and in the next five years, it'll be even different. So yeah, it, there's definitely some changes and COVID um was interesting with particularly around that pricing and that supply
0: it made it difficult for us mm. kev you've worked alongside a lot of high achievers throughout your time in the industry we've obviously mentioned jeremy shaw uh, being the sales and marketing manager at master high guy tome the national sales manager at con plant and even gary radford now owning uh, mint group companies from your perspective what have been some common traits that you've seen from successful sales people throughout the years
1: yeah um yeah, definitely. The, I think um, persistence is is definitely one of them, um, and they all all those guys have their own unique little personalities. And um, but I think their determination to win, and and look, I don't think I know from my experience. I don't do it for the dollars. I, I do it because I want to. I want to. I want to win. I want to. I want to be able to to look after my clients. Um, there's a lot of reasons why why I do what I do and, and money doesn't really come into much of a play. It's more looking after the guys that I have and, and being honest. Um and all all these other guys have got similar traits. It's you've got to be honestly honest, you've got to be persistent. Um and I think that self determination, that self drive is important because, mate, in this game it is a roller coaster of emotions. I've always said that, and and you've got your highs and your lows, and hopefully you've got more highs than lows, and you've got to learn how to how to deal with that because it, it's a t- it's a tough business, particularly when you're under the pump to get results, and you need to keep plodding away, and and you've got to keep going, and yeah, so that determination doesn't come with everybody, and and um, some some people
0: have got it, and some people don't. You said that your approach of the email being the last resort and you want to go and meet people face-to-face and experience with that customer. How have you seen person-to-person sales has changed over the last 35 years or how do you see it will evolve over the next 10?
1: Um, that's another great question. You're asking some good ones. Um, so, look, up until re- recently I've had a new manage- management change and um, they asked me if they if, – what – sort of goals have I got? What sort of training do I want? What sort of sales training? And I said, I don't want any more sales training. I, I, I've had enough. And anyway, um, I went to a sales training uh, forum last week. And um, one of the things that, you know, I th- I thought I knew everything and this young 30 year old uh, woman gets up there and the first thing she asked me is, how many people here have been selling for over 20 years? And and most of us put our hand, hands up and um and said, out of those buy, out of the buyers in the last 20 years, is has the buying um, actually the buying process changed? And of course it's changed, it's changed over the last 20, 20 years. And I knew what was coming, and then she basically said, so what have you done to change to to adapt to that that change in the buying process? And I think they're the questions that you've got to ask yourself, and, and um, oh, that really hit home with me. And, and I had to eat, I had to eat some humble pie there, and I was the first one to put my hand up, because it was really thought provoking. And what do you do um, to change? Like that young fellows like you coming through, and um, like I've got relationships with a lot of lot of people, but it's these young guys that really aren't the young people in the business. They already, they've done their homework. They know what they want, and they don't. They're not interested in a relationship. So, um, you know, like I said before, it, it, you have got to somehow um, make sure that you become part of an integral part of their their business. Um, person to person, I think it's still critical that there, there's there's personable relationships. It will be harder to get in front of people, um, but I think. Well, You've just got to find the reason to, to get in front of people, and I think when you're in a call um, and you're in front of someone, you, like I've always questioned myself um, and challenged myself to ensure that I, there's a takeaway from the, from the meeting. You, you don't want to have a meeting for meeting's sake, and like you might get in to see the highest person in the, in the business, but if you don't have something to offer, or if it's not, um, if they don't get something out of it, you're not going to get another. You're not going to get another foot in the door. So. You need to have a takeaway uh, for both parties when you're in these meetings. This is my belief. that um, So you set yourself a goal to have a takeaway and make sure there's something interesting. So whenever I go in, I talk about bags, you know, having a bag of tricks and all your... The, the more offers you can have, you can, you know, the more that you can offer someone, the better it is. If you're only selling one item, it, it makes it a lot difficult to be in front of people. Um, so I guess in the next 10 years... Um, I still think you need to have relationships with people, um, but it's going to be more difficult. It's definitely going to be more difficult because you won't be getting, like you looked at COVID, you, you weren't allowed to, to have face-to-faces with anybody. You, you you literally had to do your business, you know, by, by teams. So potentially that'll be, there'll be a lot more of that. Um, hopefully not because I get a big kick out of meeting people and, and, trying to just trying to help people where I can I think it's really important
0: my favorite Kevin Innes lesson anyway is that you first told me when I initially joined the industry and first met you at a HRA event here in Queensland was your power of a business card technique and I've always remembered that yeah Um, and I I really like the the frame that you use there so I'd love for you to expand on that topic and that story that you've told me
1: yeah um, it all stems back from obviously making sure people know who you are but There'll be times where, and I'll do it here for for Gary. Gary's not here today, but I'll leave my card on his desk. And it's just a little reminder that I was here and, you know, I was there. Um, But I think it's so important, like you you buy 500 business cards and it costs you $200. So, you know, it's not a lot of money for a business card these days. And even now, I think, like, if you go to knock on someone's door and they're not there, I'll put it in the sill of the door. If If it's a lunchroom... I think I was one of the first ones to sort of start that, where you'd go into an office, a lunchroom, and slide your business cards at the door. So you'd walk in, and I'd I'd basically see how many business cards I could get, um, you know, on the door there. But look, you have got nothing to lose, and people know that you've been there. If you if they don't know you've been there, it's it's pointless. And even if you don't get to see them, at least they know that you you, you tried to get there. You can give them a call afterwards, and they can they potentially say that, oh, I noticed that you were here. Um, another thing, back in the day, I used to hand out uh, desk pads and I used to write a little message on the desk pad and leave it there and well, little things like that. Oh, I don't know, I call it quirky, but I, I just think for the val- a one cent cost of a business card, what have you got to lose? Nothing to and, lose. And hand them out. <laughs> just don't hand them out on a Friday night in a nightclub, but it's, it's all good. <laughs>
0: Kev, what was the realisation moment when you went, yep, the hiring rental industry and and sales was your passion and something that you would have for 35 years down the track and a career for a lifetime? Was there a specific light bulb moment that hit you that you went, yep, this is for me?
1: Um, look, for some reason, like when I said I, I travelled overseas, I just really enjoyed talking to people and it was so different from what I was used to working in a factory, just standing looking at the clock and the minute hand going backwards. So for me, I just had this drive that sales is is what I want to do. I, I in that you know that probably that eighteen month period where I was overseas and I worked at Expo there, it something just resonated with me about talking to people and and I just that's what I wanted to do. I was just driven to to do that and um but i guess um along the way I, I i got better at it and it just sort of got infectious and and um I, I just was always continually challenged myself to 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 succeed and um and to win you know like i i um i remember um well, particularly in the high game you'd go to all these clients and I was I was part of the wreck gang uh, gang back then you'd go to a site and I go no we're coats we're exclusive coats here and I go okay but so I'd take that a couple of times and I'd go well how can I overcome that so I'd say my response would be okay I understand you've got a you've got a contract with with your current supplier but all I ask is when they can't help you give me a call. Just give me one chance and I'll prove that we can help you. And so then, and then I'd say, but there's one condition. Once I help you, I need your business from then on. And I remember there was a site, a, a feast job that uh, I was trying to get. They were exclusive coats back in the day. And this guy asked me for a thing called a, 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 a tremie bucket. And I'd never heard of a tremie bucket, but apparently it was like a kibble bucket where you put concrete in, but you can pour underwater um, I said I'll find you one I didn't know where it was and we had one and it was in Gladstone so I rang the guy up said we got one shipped down from Gladstone and I kept saying to him, remember the deal remember the deal so I helped him out and that's how I got that business and I think uh, just that determination to come to to, to um, turn that client around and, and just being inventive about how you're going to going to win that work and that was one of the things i had in the back of my head that was one of my plans how can i get these guys away from from another supplier so that's that was my catch cry give me a call and i'll i'll be the guy that makes it happen for you and it'd be our team that made it happen um but from then on we want the business so um yeah those little things I' just got a kick out of, out of doing that and and winning business and and um and helping people out because what we used to I used to go out and someone would wouldn't know how to do a job and go why don't we try this 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 and this and it was just just helping people out getting things done and and you know the results
0: flow from that. Kev, today we've spoken a lot about Kevin Innes, the salesperson and your amazing career in the equipment rental industry, but not about Kevin Innes, the man. Uh, Last November at the HRA AGM, the story uh, was told on how you take large bags of kids clothes uh, when you're on sales trips to small country towns in far west Queensland, uh, clothes that your kids necessarily wouldn't have. Uh, would have grown out of yeah. to, to kids in the local areas that didn't actually have shops um, in these small country towns. Kev, I think this story really does display your approach to obviously life, to give back to those around you and support uh, building relationship with people. I'm sure this has changed vastly uh, throughout your career and throughout your life, but how do you define success?
1: Oh, look, it, it is a really interesting question and it has, success to me has changed over the last 35 years so my very well when i started at rec air success to me was becoming a salesman like to me that was where i wanted to be that's what i wanted um and i got there and it was amazing and then after that it was like i was in a sales team of 17 guys and i wanted to be recognized by my peers as one of the best so i wanted to be in the top three of the sales guys in our region and and um then I, I become that and then I wanted to be number one and then I become that. And then, uh, you know, it got to things like, um, you know, it depends where you are with your family and stuff. So when I had a family, it was important that we had, I was successful financially. So um, sales was, was one of the things that got me there as well. Um, but it does change. And now my kids are gone and, and you know, I've we're, we're not rich, but we're comfortable Um Money isn't everything to me, but it, it's, now it's more um, helping people and, and I think, I believe that I just want to give back to people. I, I really do. Like, I see, I see young guys like you and it's, I'm so impressed and, um, you know, we, we've got a good future and, and I get a kick out of seeing young fellas develop and, 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 and when I say young, young people develop and grow, um and to me that's part of I believe is part of my success if I can help someone get there. Um and I guess ultimately now success for me is is spending some quality time with my family and and doing what I, I like to do. And I guess that's now a lot of people would deem that as as being successful when you can have that that happy balance between the two and some it's Look, oh, like rec-air days, we used to work seven to five and, and um, like I'd be there at six and leave there at six and we'd have beers after work and so get home at seven. And so all that, you weren't, not that you weren't encouraged to spend time with your family, you just, you, you didn't have a lot of time with your family. And, but now it's more important to, to ensure that you spend quality time with, you, with your family. And to me, that is the ultimate success where you can have a happy balance between the two and make some decent money along the way. Um, Hopefully that answers your question.
0: No, Kev, thank you. I've been really looking forward to this episode. Uh, I knew we'd have a great conversation and with your extensive career in the equipment rental industry, and I'm sure you'll uh, be in the industry for as long as you can be uh, going forward. So thank you very much for coming on The Rental Journal. I really appreciate it.
1: No, thanks, mate. I really appreciate the opportunity. And look, I would like to just say that I keep saying it, the rental industry is such an amazing industry and it's really helped – well, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, but I'd just like to say to people out there that that are trying to get into sales or want to be better at sales, it's if that's what you want to do, just keep persisting and um, it's, it's a great thing. And I would – the biggest insult to me would be if someone – considered that I was like a car salesman or something like that and that's something I'd never ever wanted to be and so I think if you're true to yourself and um you're true to your clients and you look after them I, I think it'll all come so um but I love the industry and, and I can't do enough to to sort of pay back so yeah no thanks thanks for the opportunity
0: well I know the industry loves you too Kev so thank you very much for coming on the rental journal Thank you